Bibles and turn to Ruth chapter 3, verse 1. Ruth chapter 3 in verse 1. A couple of weeks ago, we were first introduced to what Naomi said of Boaz in chapter 2 in verse 20. The man is our relative. He is one of our closest relatives. Or a better translation, kinsman redeemers. The task of a kinsman redeemer, according to Leviticus chapter 25 could be to buy back land which needed to be sold in hard economic times. Or to buy back a family member sold into slavery. And then also the same person could redeem a family's name and save their inheritance through leveret marriage, which we find in Deuteronomy 25. Uh, What that was about was a man marrying a widow of his deceased brother, and raising up children in his name. There was a law given in regard to that very thing. And so this is what is unfolding here in chapter 3 on into chapter 4. Only the relative here is not a brother. Because all the sons of Naomi had passed on. And she alludes to this back in chapter 1 in verse 11. Now, beloved, as we look in this chapter, as we walk through this chapter today, I want you to keep in mind that what we see pictured is God doing a greater work through Jesus Christ, redeeming mankind, buying them out of the slave market of sin, and making them his bride. You see, Boaz is a type of Christ who stood in direct line to him genealogically. And we're going to see that as we move into chapter 4. And so I want you to follow as I read and observe how Ruth found a relationship through redemption. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you that it may be well with you? Now is not Boaz our kinsman with whose maid you were? Behold, he winnows barley at the threshing floor tonight. Wash yourself, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your best clothes, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. It shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies, and you shall go and uncover his feet and lie down. Then he will tell you what you shall do. She said to her, all that you say, I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law had commanded her. When Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain, and she came secretly and uncovered his feet and lay down. It happened in the middle of the night that the man was startled and bent forward, and behold, a woman was lying at his feet. He said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your maid. So spread your covering over your maid, for you are a close relative. Then he said, may you be blessed of the Lord, my daughter. You have shown your last kindness to be better than the first by not going after young men, whether poor or rich. 
Now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you whatever you ask, for all my people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. Now it is true. I am a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. Remain this night, and when morning comes, if he will redeem you, good. Let him redeem you. But if he does not wish to redeem you, then I will redeem you as the Lord lives. Lie down until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning and rose up before one could recognize another. And he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. Again, he said, give me the cloak that is on you and hold it. So she held it and he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her. Then he went into the city. When she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did it go, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done for her. She said, These six measures of barley he gave to me. For he said, Do not go on. Don't go to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then she said, Wait, my daughter, until you know how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest until he has settled it today. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Now with the connecting word then, beginning with verse 1, the author seems to be pointing back to chapter 2 in verse 23, the previous verse. We see that some time has elapsed where Naomi has had the chance to observe the kindness of Yahweh through Boaz, that which she spoke about back in chapter 2 in verse 20. And she introduces her idea there at the end of verse 1, which is the theme to this whole chapter. What does it say there? Shall I not seek security for you that it may be well with you? Now is not Boaz our kinsman? That statement right there governs everything that is said in this chapter. Yes, it is the theme of this text. She was talking there about rest in her Redeemer. Having a husband and a home. That's exactly what she's talking about there. Well, at the end of the chapter, it wasn't quite resolved, but it was guaranteed. That's what we see there in verse 18. And so, beloved, as I think about all of this, I pray that you have a relationship with the Redeemer, Jesus Christ, this morning. That's my heart for you. And if not, may you see how through the example of Ruth. And so I want you to consider with me two simple, two simple but important steps for finding rest in your Redeemer as demonstrated by her. We're going to see how she was redeemed by Boaz in this text of Scripture. And then I'm going to apply it to us where we are today through Jesus Christ. And so I pray that I have your attention through this whole passage of Scripture because it is very enriching. It has been for my own heart. And the first important step is captured there in verses 1 to 9. And I just want to reread verses 3 to 6, okay? So follow along once again. Naomi is speaking to Ruth. And she says, wash yourself, therefore, and anoint yourself and put on your best clothes and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. 
It shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies and you shall go and uncover his feet and lie down. Then he will tell you what you shall do. She said to her, all that you say I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law had commanded her. What do you notice from those verses that we just read there? It's this simple step. Ruth found rest by responding to the plan of Naomi. Ruth found rest by responding to Naomi's plan. As you can see there in verse 2, Naomi knew enough about Boaz's schedule as to guide Ruth in what she was to do. Apparently, he would be winnowing on a particular evening. You might ask, why would he be doing that kind of work? Didn't he have servants? I mean, as one who owned this land. But you have to remember that the time of harvest was a time of rejoicing. And that's what is going on. It's a time of rejoicing. And so, yes, he's down at the threshing floor winnowing with the rest of them. And maybe also to protect his assets. You bet. So she was talking here about rest in her Redeemer. This set up perfectly what Naomi had in mind for her daughter-in-law. And there are two simple elements which reveal how Ruth responded to the plan of Naomi here in this passage. She first of all listened very, very carefully to what she said and she followed through on it. That's exactly what the text says there in verses 5 and 6. She said to her, all that you say, I will do. She went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law had commanded her. I'll just tell you, this was an act of faith on her part. She's acting on the law of the kinsman redeemer given in Deuteronomy 25. She's acting on that. And that's why both Naomi and Ruth said what they did. Starting back in 2.20. What does Naomi say? Again, Naomi said to her, that is Ruth, the man is our relative. He is one of our closest relatives. And then again in chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Naomi says to Ruth, Shall I not seek security for you that it may be well with you? Now is not Boaz our kinsman? Now look at down at verse 9. And you have Ruth speaking to Boaz. And she says, I am Ruth your maid, so spread your covering over your maid, for you are a close relative. And so what was the plan? What was the plan that Naomi gave Ruth here? And to which she followed very closely. She did it by faith. Well, first, Ruth was to prepare herself as a bride for a wedding. Yeah, that's what she's doing here. She's seeking a husband to redeem her. And so she has been called by Naomi to prepare herself just as a bride would be for a wedding. We see there in verse 3 that she was to wash herself. That is to bathe herself and then to anoint herself. She was to put on perfume. I mean, just think about it. 
Here you have Ruth working out in the field day in and day out. She's dirty. She smells. Yeah. And Naomi doesn't want her to smell beastly. So go take a bath. All right. Anoint yourself and then put on clothes appropriate to present yourself to this man. I'll just tell you, this wasn't unusual. We have an example of that in Ezekiel chapter 16, the very same thing. So Ruth here was to prepare herself just as a bride for a wedding. After that, she was to go to the threshing floor and wait out of sight until Boaz had filled his stomach and lied down to sleep. And then she was to uncover his feet and lie down next to them, as we see there in the rest of verses 3 and also verse 4. You know, some might think that Naomi gave poor counsel here to Ruth, that it was very improper. And I get that, I mean, given the culture that we live in, but you can't look at this text from our culture, all right? You have to look at it from the culture of the day. And I can say, you know, if I, I can remember when my, my sister came home, uh, you know, and she uh, was in Bible college and she had met a guy and she came to the house and she wanted uh, her parents to see them. And she said to my dad, I don't know where this is going, dad, but I sure have a, an interest in him. I, I would like to get married uh, somewhere in the near future. And he seems to be a good prospect. My dad didn't say to her, well, if you really want to find out, When he goes to bed tonight, just go up to the room after he sleeps, you know, uncover the blanket, lay at his feet, and see what happens. No. My dad would never say that. Okay. But there is nothing in this text to suggest that what she did here was improper. Boaz here did not rebuke her. Not at all. In fact... This was possibly customary procedure in making a proposal. And especially for Ruth to get the attention of Boaz, who is an older man, a full generation older than her. And besides, Ruth here was a godly woman, right? Yes. And so she's not seeking to be promiscuous. Even Boaz says that of her there in verse 11. And so Ruth did exactly what her mother-in-law requested as we read there in verse 7. And in the middle of the night, Boaz was startled. We see that there in verse 8. And we don't know exactly what startled him. Personally, I believe it was the coolness of the night air upon his feet. And so, yeah, he bent forward to cover his feet. And then he was startled again, (laughs) seeing a woman there at his feet. But he didn't know who she was. He knew she was a woman, but he didn't know exactly that it was Ruth. And so this is when she identified herself and told him to cover her because she was a close relative. A key verse there in verse 9. This was a marriage proposal. That's what this was. And it was not a part of Naomi's counsel. If you go back, that's not what she told her to do. This is something that Ruth did on her own. Again, she's acting in faith to what she knows from Deuteronomy 25. 
Now you might ask, why didn't Boaz propose rather than her? That's a good question. I thought about that. And really the answer is given for us in verse 10 and in verse 12. He said, May you be blessed of the Lord, my daughter. You have shown your last kindness to be better than the first by not going after young men, whether poor or rich. Again, he's an older man. See, he might have thought it was out of place to propose to her. There were plenty of other men, younger men, available. But then notice verse 12. Now it is true, I am a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. So he didn't want to infringe upon someone else who may have that liberty to speak into her life or to propose to her or to be married to her. And so that's why I believe that Boaz didn't propose. And yet there is something very important to note there in verse 9. As I mentioned a moment ago, this is a key verse here. Look what it says. He said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your maid. So spread your covering over your maid. That word for covering there in the Hebrew is the same as wing in chapter 2 and verse 12. And notice what... Boaz said to Ruth in 2.12, actually what he prayed for her. May the Lord reward your work and may your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. Just as Ruth there sought refuge under the wings of Yahweh, she was now seeking rest in Boaz, a kinsman redeemer. She's actually saying there in verse 9, spread your wing over your maid. Again, she was responding here to Naomi's plan in faith, even going above and beyond because of what she knew from God's word. And so folks, if you are to find rest in your redeemer, Jesus Christ, You are to respond to God's plan. That's right. You're to respond to God's plan. You must listen carefully to His Word and what it has to say and follow through by faith, right? Yes, that's the simple step. What does Romans 10 and verse 17 tell us? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So turn with me, if you would, holding your space here in Ruth 3, Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And here you find Peter on the day of Pentecost sharing God's plan. (laughs) Starting with verse 22. Acts chapter 2. He speaks boldly this message. Peter says, men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst. Just as you yourselves know, this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. 
But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. And then he goes on to quote from Psalm 16 about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For David says of him, I saw the Lord always in my presence, for he is at my right hand so that I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue exalted. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope because you will not abandon my soul to Hades, nor allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You have made known to me the ways of life. You shall make me full of gladness with your presence. And then Peter went on to say, Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. And so because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of Christ that he was neither abandoned to Hades nor did his flesh suffer decay. This Jesus God raised up to which we all are witnesses. And then, how did they respond? We see it in verses 37 and 38. Now, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent, each of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for or because of the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what Paul said in Galatians chapter 3 in verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. How about Galatians 4 in verses 4 and 5? But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that He might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Amen and amen. And so I pray that you have turned from your sin to Jesus and no rest in Him, being covered by His blood. You know, a few weeks ago, I was explaining this whole matter of repentance and faith. How we, before we come to know Jesus, are going our own way. We're living in our sin. We don't care about what God thinks. But in His grace, He convicts us of our sin, the awfulness and the ugliness of our sin. And He turns our heart around to Jesus, whom we learn about from God's Word, who went and was that curse for us. He died our death so that we wouldn't have to die. And He not only died, but He rose again the third day. That if we believe in Him, we will have eternal life. You know, I have talked to many who will say, well, I believe that account, so I must be a believer. Well, the word believe simply means to put your faith in and trust. It's not just giving an intellectual assent to the truth. That's only part of it. It's a commitment of heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. For example, I have this glass of water here. I can believe that this water will quench my thirst. But it won't quench my thirst until I do what? Take a drink, right? 
That's the way it is with Christ. He's done the work. But you must embrace him as your Lord and Savior. If you don't know Christ today, may you respond in faith to the plan of God set before the foundation of the world and found in Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Well, that brings us to the other important step. And it's found in the second half of this chapter, verses 10 to 18. But I'm just going to read verses 10 to 13 for you and then 18. And we'll pick up these other verses a little bit later. Then he said, that is Boaz, may you be blessed of the Lord, my daughter. You have shown your last kindness to be better than the first by not going after young men, whether poor or rich. Now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you whatever you ask. For all my people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. Now, it is true. I am a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. Remain this night. And when morning comes, if he will redeem you, good. Let him redeem you. But if he does not wish to redeem you, then I will redeem you as the Lord lives. Lie down until morning. And then we see Naomi speaking to these words in verse 18. As she speaks to Ruth. Then she said, wait, my daughter, until you know how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest until he has settled it today. And so what do you see here in those verses? It's this. Ruth found rest by relying on Boaz's pledge. That's right. That is the main thrust of what we see in those verses. Ruth found rest by relying on on Boaz's pledge. What you see in these verses was Boaz stilling the fears, the anxieties of Ruth's heart. Look at what it says there in verse 11. Now, my daughter, do not fear. You see, she didn't know how he would respond to her bold proposal there. She didn't. And so he went on to give her confident assurance of her redemption through three responses that I think are very, very important. Number one, Boaz honored Ruth. You see that there in verse 10, and you see it in the second half of verse 11. He said, may you be blessed of the Lord, my daughter, You have shown your last kindness to be better than the first by not going after young men, whether poor or rich. And in the second half of verse 11, all my people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. He's honoring her here. He was praising her for her kindness. The Hebrew word there is kesed, loyal love, in considering him as a husband over young men. And because she was a woman of excellence, a noble, godly woman, which is even further described in Proverbs 31, she didn't seek to marry outside of the family, but a kinsman redeemer who also treated her kindly, as we saw all throughout chapter 2. And so as far as Boaz was concerned, this kindness of hers was far better than her first kindness. That first kindness of leaving her homeland and following Naomi to Bethlehem. 
And so he's not offended here by her actions. Not at all. In fact, he may have considered it a compliment. (laughs) He's much older than her. She was an honorable woman and an excellent prospect as a wife. You might say they were a match made in heaven. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And so Boaz here is stilling her fears by honoring her for who she is. Yeah, you're the kind of gal I'd like to marry. Well, Boaz then went on to give Ruth a promise, did he not? Sure. Look what it says there in the first part of verse 11. Now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you whatever you ask. However, he ought to share with her a problem, right? And what's the problem? Verse 12. It is true. I am a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. And yet, even in this, she would be redeemed. If not by the closer relative, certainly by Boaz, as he vows there in verse 13. He's reiterating what he had said there in the first part of verse 11. Remain this night, and when morning comes, if he will redeem you, good. Let him redeem you. But if he does not wish to redeem you, I will redeem you as Yahweh lives. Yeah. He's making a vow here, a serious vow, that she will be taken care of. He's promising her this. And if it's not by me, it will be by a closer relative than myself. She just had to wait. And so, Ruth had a solid promise of redemption. She just needed to wait ultimately upon Yahweh and His will for her as to who that might be. Now finally, there's something else here for us to see. Boaz gifted Ruth. And we see that in verses 14 to 17. Follow along. So she lay at his feet until morning and rose before one could recognize another. It wasn't quite dawn yet. And he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. I mean, he's already has a heart to protect her. Yeah. If she leaves the threshing floor and others see her, there will be gossip going around. And he wants to protect her from that because nothing went on. (laughs) They were very careful. Verse 15. Again, he said, give me the cloak that is on you and hold it. So she held it and he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her. Then she went into the city. Actually, in the Hebrew there, it says he measured six of barley. Measures has been inserted. So what? how much would that have been? Would it have been an ephah, which we see earlier in chapter 2 and verse 17? I don't think so. Because an ephah was 30 to 40 pounds. So if she had six, uh, that's well over 200 pounds. Okay? So likely this was another measure, possibly a sia, which was one-third of an ephah. But still, 
it would have been 60 to 80 pounds that she was carrying from the threshing floor to Bethlehem. I mean, she's a tough young gal, I'll tell you. She's not a weakling. And as I was reading through this, I can remember my father and I going to the grocery store uh, when I was younger, probably about 16 years old. And we got to the middle of the store, and they had a big pallet there with some potatoes. It's those old days where there was a 100-pound sack of potatoes, a gunny sack of potatoes that was lying there. And he says, you know, if you're a man, you'll be able to pick that up. I thought, okay, I'll show you. You know, and I just bent over and I picked that thing up and I was grunting. There's no doubt about it because it's moving around. And I hoisted that up on my shoulder and I started walking around and I'm going, and he, he, he kind of marveled. He thought, whoa, this is something. And so I was thinking about that this week. Her carrying 60 to 80 pounds of grain all the way from the threshing floor to the city. That was a lot further than my sack of potatoes because as soon as I could, I got that thing off. Well, verse 16. When she came to her mother-in-law, you think about this, with all that grain, she said, how did it go, my daughter? By the way, that phrase, how did it go, my daughter? In the Hebrew, it's literally, who are you? She knows who she is. Well, given the plan that she gave Ruth, are you the next prospective Mrs. Boaz? That's the idea behind that phrase. And she told her all that the man had done for her. She said, these six measures of barley he gave to me. For he said, do not go to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Boaz here gifted Ruth. The gift of barley from Boaz was an outward sign to confirm his word and his intentions, not only with Ruth, but also with Naomi. And again, this is why Naomi said what she did there in verse 18, right? Then she said, wait, my daughter, until you know how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest until he has settled it today. Yeah, bringing all that grain back to the house. Yeah, this guy is serious about you. He's going to do whatever it takes to make sure you are redeemed. That you have a husband. Just wait. Just wait upon him. And so, Ruth in all of this could rely on Boaz's pledge and have rest. Well, beloved, as believers, if you're to have rest in your Redeemer, Jesus Christ, you must rely on God's pledge to you. That's right. For one, God has given you the Holy Spirit as a pledge, a guarantee of your redemption. He has. In fact, take your Bibles, holding your space here in Ruth, or go with me to Ephesians. We see that very clearly there. Ephesians. Galatians, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, verses 13 and 14. 
in Him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Him with what? The Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge, a guarantee of our inheritance, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of His glory. Listen to these words from Romans 8, 14 to 16. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leaving to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. And so, beloved, you and I have the honor of being in God's family as his adopted children. Yes, he's given us his spirit as a guarantee, as a pledge. We're honored to be his children. It should give you assurance of your salvation. Also, God has given you exceeding great and precious promises of your redemption. I want you to hear this from the words of Jesus himself. Look with me at John chapter 6. John chapter 6. What you have there is Jesus feeding the 5,000. He's the bread of life. He's offering himself to them. Actually, he's sharing the plan of God before the foundation of the world. And this is what he says to his listeners. It's the promise of God himself in the flesh. Jesus. He said to them, verse 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger. And he who believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. What a promise of Jesus to those whom he has redeemed. We have his promises. But more than that, finally, God has gifted you and I with the riches of redemption through a changed life and spiritual blessings. We have these words in 2 Corinthians five seventeen and 18, some of my favorite words in all of Scripture. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. He's given us a changed life. Wow, what a gift. A changed life in Jesus Christ. In fact, turn with me, if you would. We've got a few minutes. Turn with me to 1 Peter. We read from this passage of Scripture at the beginning of our service. 1 Peter 1, 18 through 21. 1 Peter 1, 18 through 21. 
knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold. Yeah, we haven't been redeemed with the things of this world. No. But with precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. And so, yes, you and I can find rest in our Redeemer, just like Ruth, by relying on God's pledge. Yeah. You've responded to the plan of God. Now he gives you his pledge. Plenty of assurances to take away all anxieties and fears through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. You know, in Psalm 36, we have these words of David. By the way, David was the great-grandson of Boaz and Ruth. And we'll see that when we come to chapter 4. It's like he's echoing the words of of Boaz and Ruth. We find them in Psalm 36, 7. How precious is your loving kindness, Kessid, O God, and the children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Amen. And so as we observe this morning the historical event of Ruth finding rest in the loving kindness of her Redeemer, Boaz, is a clear picture of how to find rest in in our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. By responding in faith to God's plan and by relying on His pledge. It's simple. It's not complicated. But it does take the sovereign and providential work of God to bring it about just as it did historically in the lives of Boaz and Ruth. They came together. Why? because of the sovereign providential hand of God. We come to Christ and we are redeemed because of His providential and sovereign work in our hearts. Aren't you thankful for that today? We have rest in our Redeemer. How wonderful it is. And so, beloved, as you leave here today, may your heart's song be that of Fanny Crosby, who wrote these words in that old hymn, Redeemed. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy, His child and forever I am. Redeemed and so happy in Jesus, no language my rapture can tell. I know that the light of His presence with me doth continually dwell. I think of my blessed Redeemer. I think of Him all day long. I sing for I cannot be silent. His love is the theme of my song. I know I shall see in His beauty the King in whose law I delight, who lovingly guardeth my footsteps and giveth me songs in the night, redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed, redeemed, His child, and forever I am. I pray those words of Fanny Crosby are in your heart this morning and that when you leave here you'll be able to exclaim I'm redeemed I'm redeemed in Jesus Christ let's pray Father thank you for your word and what we saw today I know that Lord in a crowd this size there could be someone who is not redeemed 
they heard the plan of God this morning. And I pray that before they leave here, even as they sit here this morning, that they will respond in faith to your plan, the plan that was given before the foundation of the world. And we continue to preach that same message over and over again. And for those who are true believers, oh God, help them to rest in your pledge, the pledge that you gave to them as believers. They're your children. You've given them your spirit. You've given them your promises. You've changed their life. Oh, I pray that, Lord, they will walk out of here in full assurance of their faith, resting in their Redeemer, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen.